in Berkeley, also 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned for Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rule, so divide up. In darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of This is Jennifer Stone talking about, yes, going back in time. Today I'm going all the way back to 1929. Tell you about that in a minute. Going to read to you from Archie and McEdible. You remember that. Anyway, today is 23 September 2014 and fall has fallen. It's autumn. Oh, I love this time of year. The poets go wild. The days shorten. Every day there's less light and more television. I'm going to turn off the TV. I'll go back to nature till the leaves fall, you know. Try to remember the kind of September... Oh, look, a good book, yes. <laughs> Once upon a time, long, long ago, in a country just full of cockeyed optimists, there were newspapers and magazines, that is, printed newspapers and magazines, that published all sorts of goofy uh, stories, poems, you know, right there, right along with all the stories about war and the bloody carnage and all the reports of poverty and suffering all over the globe. You know, uh, I think back, back, back in the day, in those days, journalists knew, some journalists knew, that our human comedy is always present, you know, goes right along with tragedy. You know, they're dating, like truth and beauty, they go to the party together anyway, you know. You know how it is, all the evidence of man's inhumanity to man goes right along with our altruism. Uh, and then, of course, there's, oops, man's inhumanity to woman. Right. Oh, that's my favorite. The war on women. That one's as old as our species. And it even provides for humor. Ah, in every age, this battle for men's minds is often fought on the field of women's bodies. 
you know, reproductive rights. That's what they call it this season. We can't have women playing God. That's men's work. Anyway, <laughs> I get the feeling that we here in the U.S. of A. are losing our sense of humor. Uh, <laughs> the fact is reported uh, in any number of magazines, The New Yorker, has fallen off, though, I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> the cartoons are terrible. Anyway, today's news is all about our dawning dark age. You know, the dark birds of history. Helen Caldecott says, We have come to the end of living and the beginning of surviving. I remember, oh, gee whiz, way back uh, in the 18th century when I was a girl, there were, oh, you know, um, punsters, guys like Benjamin Franklin telling jokes. Even during the wars and the revolutions, you know, there was Mark Twain writing masterpieces about slavery and war and the fall of man. I love his uh, his story. The well, it's a diary. He calls it the Diary of Adam and Eve. I think it's the the ultimate comedy about gender. <laughs> anyway, actually, Mark Twain even wrote about women's sexual prowess, about their uh, oh, what shall we say, their capacity for joy their achievements in the realm of a sexual uh, ecstasy. <laughs> he got it all right. He knew, though, that it was a joke. Uh, you know, well, we all know it's the women who are oversexed, but don't tell, don't tell. It just doesn't seem uh, right, you know. It's all about egos. Anyway, ah. Uh, Lately, I just see so many people trying to laugh. And then, uh, mostly, the jokes are dead in the water. Clowns despair. Robin Williams is dead. Anyway, I can't take it anymore. No more stories about absurdistan. No more military wargasms and no more of these damn fools, these pundits telling us that we are not to blame. It's the others who are to blame. You know, those knuckleheads whose God doesn't speak English. Ah, uh, you know, the, the type. Uh, they call them others. You remember that wonderful Mark Twain, uh, what did he call it? Uh, I can't remember. It was a speech that, uh, golly, the uh, preacher gets up in the pulpit and gives a uh, speech about peace, you know, about war. And he explains how important it is to get rid of the uh, gods on the other side. i got to find that. It's called War Prayer, I think, but I made a tape of it once, and it's around here somewhere. Anyway. 
Today, I just want to fool around. Next week's a fundraiser. We have to start up with that next week. And uh, so today, I just want to read stuff from old newspapers. Time travel back to 1929. Back to the days when uh, <laughs> my parents read the papers. And they just loved uh, stuff like Archie and Mahitabel. Archie and Mahitabel. That's the one about the cockroach and the cat. You remember? It's all about politics. They're proletariat. Yes, they're very much of the people. Archie's a cockroach, Mahitabel's a cat. Long time ago, the poet laureate, the then poet laureate, the uh, gentle, gentle Robert House, he was on C-SPAN and... He was talking about getting poetry back into the newspapers. And I thought, what a swell idea. Uh, I think if we all mailed uh, uh, lighthearted poetry to the papers, some of it might find its way in. Uh, Archie and Mahitable has always been my most favorite. Uh, let's see, 1929, it's written by... Uh, a guy called Don Marcus, D-O-N-M-A-R-Q-U-I-S. It's all lowercase letters, you remember. <laughs> we used to think that was revolutionary, actually. goes back to, well, it goes way back. But Archie and Mehitable, of course, has no uh, capital letters because uh, it's typed by a cockroach and he can't hit the shift key. Anyway... I need to tell you about the coming of Archie, the cockroach, so you'll know uh, the context of these, uh, what do we call it, protest poems. The coming of Archie, the circumstances of Archie's first appearance are narrated in the following extract from the Sundial column in the New York Sun. <laughs> A pal of mine, Dobbs Ferry, possesses a rat which slips out of his lair at night and runs a typewriting machine in a garage, unfortunately. He has always been interrupted by the watchman before he could produce a complete story. Now, it was at first thought that the power which made the typewriter run was a ghost instead of a rat. It seems likely to us that it was both a ghost and a rat. Madame Blavatsky's ego went into a white horse after she passed over. Footnote here. Uh, some of you will remember that Madame Blavatsky's was one of those, well, in her time, she was a New Ager, right? She believed in the uh, spirit world. She was quite a trip. Uh, think of today's... Uh, what you call that? Uh, spiritualist, let's call him. Anyway, anyway, her ego went into a white horse after she passed over, you know, transmigration of souls. And uh, uh, the author goes on to say, someone's personality has undoubtedly gone into this rat. <clears throat> it is an era of belief. In communications from the spirit land, ha, 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 history repeats itself, doesn't it? There we go. 
era of belief in communications from the spirit land. That's us, folks. 1929 as well. Anyway, the journalist Don Marcus goes on to say, Since this matter had been reported in the public prints and seriously received, we are no longer afraid of being ridiculed, and we do not mind making a statement of something that happened to our own typewriter only a couple of weeks ago. We came into our room earlier than usual in the morning and discovered a gigantic cockroach jumping about upon the keys. He did not see us. We watched him. He would climb painfully upon the framework of the machine and cast himself with all his force upon a key, head downward. His weight and the impact of the blow was just sufficient to operate the machine. One slow letter after another. He could not work the capital letters. He had a great deal of difficulty operating the mechanism that shifts the paper so that a fresh line may be started. Footnote here. Those of uh, you who are not acquainted with typewriters uh, <laughs> may have to uh, check it out. Uh, you know, it was a little bar. You just pushed it, uh, slid it over. Anyway. The author goes on to say, We never saw a cockroach work so hard or perspire so freely in all our lives before. After about an hour of this frightfully difficult literary labor, he fell to the floor exhausted and we saw him creep feebly into a nest of the poems which are always there in profusion congratulating ourselves that we had left a sheet of paper in the machine the night before so that all this work had not been in vain. We made an examination, and this is what we found. Dear boss, expression is the need of my soul. I was once... A very liberated bard, but I died and my soul went into the body of a cockroach. It has given me a new outlook upon life. I see things from the underside now. Thank you for the apple peelings in the waste paper basket, but your paste is getting so stale I can't eat it. There is a cat here called Mahitabel. I wish you would have removed. She nearly ate me the other night. Why don't she catch rats? That is what she's supposed to be for. There is a rat here she should get without delay. Most of these rats here are just rats, but this rat is like me. He has a human soul in him. He used to be a poet himself. Night after night, I have written poetry for you on your typewriter. And this big brute of a rat, who used to be a poet, comes out of his hole when it is done, and he reads it and sniffs at it. He is jealous of my poetry. He used to make fun of it when we were both human. He was a punk poet himself. After he has read it, he sneers. And then he eats it. 
I wish you would have Mahidabel kill that rat or get a cat that is onto her job. And I will write you a series of poems showing how things look to a cockroach. That rat's name is Freddy. The next time Freddy dies, I hope he won't be a rat, but something smaller. I hope I will be a rat in the next transmigration, and Freddy a cockroach. I will teach him to sneer at my poetry then. <sighs> Don't you ever eat any sandwiches in your office? I haven't had a crumb of bread for I don't know how long, or a piece of ham, or anything but apple parings and paste. Leave a piece of paper in your machine every night. You can call me Archie. <laughs> ah, next, yes, next poem. Ah, Isabel was once Cleopatra. Boss, I am disappointed in some of your readers. They are always asking, how does Archie work the shift so as to get a new line? Or, how does Archie do this or do that? They are always interested in technical details when the main question is whether the stuff is literature or not. I wish you would leave that book of George Moore's on the floor. Mehitable the cat and I want to read it, and I have discovered that Mehitable's soul formerly inhabited a human also, at least. That's what Mehitable is claiming these days. It may be she got jealous of my prestige. Anyhow, she and I have been talking it over in a friendly way. Who were you, Mehidabel? I asked her. I was Cleopatra once, she said. Well, I said, I suppose you lived in a palace. You bet, she said. And what lovely fish dinners we used to have and licked her chops. Oh, Bell would sell her soul for a plate of fish any day, I told her. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you were the favorite wife of the Emperor Valerian, because he was some catnip, eh, Bell? <sighs> but she did not get me, Archie. <laughs> the Song of Bell. This is the song of Mahidabel, of Mahidabel the alley cat. As I wrote you before, boss, Mahidabel is a believer in the Pythagorean theory of the transmigration of the soul, and she claims that formerly her spirit was incarnated in the body of Cleopatra. Now is a long time ago. One must not be surprised if Mehidabel has forgotten some of her more regal manners. Oh, 
I have had my ups and downs, but what the hell? What the hell yesterday, scepters and crowns, fried oysters and velvet gowns. And today I heard with bums, but what the hell? What the hell? I wake the world from sleep as I caper and sing and leap. When I sing my wild free tune, what the hell, what the hell, under the blear-eyed moon, I am pelted with cast-off shoon, but what the hell, what the hell, do you think that I would change my present freedom to range for a castle or moated grange, what the hell, what the hell, cage me and I'd go frantic, my life is so romantic, capricious and choreobantic, and I am toujours gay, toujours gay. I know that I am bound for a journey down the sound. In the midst of a refuse mound. But what the hell? What the hell? I should worry and fret. Death and I will coquette. There's a dance in the old dame yet. Toujours gay. Toujours gay. I once was an innocent kit. What the hell? What the hell? With a, a ribbon, my neck, to fit, and bells tied onto it. Oh, what the hell, what the hell, but a Maltese cat came by, with a come-hither look in his eye, and a song that soared to the sky, and what the hell, what the hell, and a followed her down the street, the pad of his rhythmical feet. Oh, permit me again to repeat what the hell, what the hell, my youth I shall never forget. But there's nothing I really regret, what the hell, what the hell. There's a dance in the old dame yet, toujours gay, toujours gay the things that I had not ought to, I do because I've got to. What the hell? What the hell? And I end with my favorite motto, Toujours gay, toujours gay. Boss, sometimes I think that our friend Mahidabel is a trifle too gay. Signed, Archie. This is number four. Yes, this is about the um, the grief of the wretched of the earth. Yes. Pity the poor spiders. I have just been reading an advertisement of a certain roach exterminator. The human race little knows all the sadness it causes in the insect world. I remember some weeks ago meeting a middle-aged spider. She was weeping. What is the trouble, I asked? <laughs> it is these cursed fly swatters, she replied. They kill off all the flies and my family and I are starving. Ah. <sighs> 
it struck me as so pathetic that I made a little song about it as follows to wit. "'Twas an elderly mother spider grown gaunt and fierce and gray, with her little ones crouched beside her, who wept as she sang this lay. "'Curses on these here swatters, what kills off all the flies, for me and my little daughters, unless we eats, we dies.' Swatten and swatten and swatten, tis little else you hear, and will soon be dead and forgotten with the cost of living so dear. My husband, he up and left me, lured off by a centipede, and he says as he bereft me, tis wrong, but I'll get a feed, and me a working and working. Scouring the streets for food, faithful and never shirking, doing the best I could. Curses on these waters, what kills off all the flies, me and my poor little daughters, unless we eats, we dies. Only a withered spider, feeble and worn and old, and this is what you do. When you swat, you swatters, cruel and cold. <clears throat> I will admit that some of the insects do not lead noble lives, but is every man's hand to be against them? Yours for less justice and more charity, signed Archie. I have time for a little bit more of Mehitabel's extensive past. <laughs> I wonder if I should read the one about uh, the roaches in the taverns and the one about Freddy the Rat perishes. I have to save these. Actually, I think I should just read Archie and Mehitabel. Uh, every week, yes, let's see. Mehitabel's extensive past, Mehitabel the Cat claims that she has a human soul and has transmigrated from body to body. And it may be so, boss. You remember I told you she accused herself of being Cleopatra once. I asked her about Antony. Antony who? She asked me. Are you thinking of that song about Rowley and Gammon and Spinach? I owe for Anthony Rowley. No, I said. Mark Anthony, the great Roman friend of Caesar. Surely, Cleopatra, you remember J. Caesar. Listen, Archie, she said. I have been so many different people in my time and met so many prominent gentlemen. I won't lie to you or stall. I do get my dates mixed sometimes. Think of how much I have had a chance to forget. And I have always made a point of not carrying grudges over from one life to the next, Archie. <laughs> I have been used something fierce in my time. But I am no bum sport, Archie. I am a free spirit, Archie. I look on myself as being quite a romantic character. Oh, the queens I have been and the swell feeds I have ate. 
a cockroach, which you are, and a poet, which you used to be, Archie, couldn't understand my feelings. And having come down to this, I have had bids to elegant feeds where poets and cockroaches would neither one be mentioned without a laugh, Archie. I have had adventures, but I have never been an adventurous. One life up and the next life down, Archie, but always a lady through it all. And a good mixer, too. Always the life of the party, Archie. But never anything vulgar. <laughs> toujours gay, toujours gay. I have to stop here. I think I will save up, Archie, and make it a bone. Cheers me up no end. Never anything vulgar, she says. This has been Jennifer Stone. I'll be back on the air this time next week. Until then, go easy, and if you can't, go easy. Go as easy as you can. Out of Yo, this is Wes from SciShow Radio, and I'm asking you to help breathe new life into your radio station. It's time for us to hit the refresh button and modernize our tools that keep free speech radio alive. You can help us cut days from our upcoming fall fund drive by donating online today at kpfa.org. No donation is too small or too large. Plus, if you'd like to set up a challenge match, you can do that too. All donations over $100 will receive a KPFA grocery bag and a jump drive with 100 speeches from the KPFA speaker series as a gift. Please pledge today at kpfa.org and keep listening to 94.1 FM for more details on how you can help us refresh KPFA. Thank you.